welcome back, snitches. It is time. Welcome back, snitches and bitches and... Anyone else. And something else that rhymes with bitches. Yeah, I'm bad at rhymes. Me too, apparently, because yeah. I can't think of another word. I mean, but do we really need more than snitches and bitches? I feel like that covers everything. Yes, we also need wine, but we don't have any right now because Tara has a show. I have a show. In like an hour. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, we can so do this. We got to get through this. We got a deadline to get Tara so that Tara isn't late for her call time. Because I got to get in all the things. Yes. Layers. That's right. Fuck la- the patriarchy. She's going to be a nice, fluffy potato casserole. What are those things with the layers? I don't know. Do you know what a Hasselback potato is? No. Oh my God, it's delicious. We I don't have time do. to go through it right now. But I will learn. You know what I feel like we are doing right now? We're at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban where it's like TikTok, bitch. Right? <laughs> Keep going. Go, go, And we go. do not have a time turner. So Damn with it. that, here are our Patreon numbers. Woo! And just because we neglected to say it when we were recording, this episode is covering chapter 35 from Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Beyond the Veil. Now, as I did say, here is our acknowledgement of all of our lovely Patreon members. So as always, a special thanks to Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Meredith, Nisi, Nicole, and Ra. You also can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash basic snitches. This week, because we were on a timer, we actually recorded on Zoom, and we each sort of learned a little bit something extra about each other that we didn't really know through something that we found online. Join today for only $3 a month or up to $10 a month at one of our higher tiers for even more extra content. One and lots. Okay, so chapter 34. There is no loser in chapter 34. I thought so. I was like, like, do I make Harry lose? That's real cruel because Harry is about to have his world literally be torn up some more. So we're not going to give him a loss. Yeah. I am going to give the win to all of them. Another. So this is a six way. This is a six way win. Everyone's got their own reasons. Everyone for following Harry and supporting him, whether they agree with him or not. Harry for being a strong leader. The way that they get there and they face the fear of, you know, flying on an invisible festival and things like that. It's a beautiful piece of teamwork. So just going to give a win all around. Love it. Yes. I wrote a thing. You did. It's not great, but whatever. Hey, it's a chaotic chapter. Whew. So I am half expecting it to be Everything Goes to Shit Part 2. <laughs> oh, about it, it is not. <laughs> I thought about it, but I was like, no. All right, let's get into it. Chapter 35, Beyond the Veil. So now a bunch of Death Eaters are here and Sirius is not. Harry realizes that it's been a trick even as he desperately begs Luscious Boy Toy to tell him where Sirius is. Bellatrix haunts Harry because she's a bitch and ridiculously unhinged, and the kids narrowly escape the Death Eaters by destroying a lot of history that was foolishly encased in fragile glass balls. Harry, Neville, and Hermione are separated from the others, and while battling several Death Eaters, Hermione is hit with a spell that knocks her unconscious, and Neville's wand and nose are both broken. Neville and Harry try to get her to safety, and after more battling adults who should be better than the kids at magic they are reunited with the other three Ginny's ankle is broken and ron has been hit by some weird spell but luna seems to be doing okay harry neville and luna try to get the others out safely before they could go too far they are attacked again by three death eaters including bellatrix who continues to be terrible they manage to get through another door but then luna is thrown into the air and knocked out and ron is attacked by brains the death eaters stun Ginny, 
and it's just Harry and Neville left to fight. Harry tries to draw the Death Eaters away from his friends and ends up in the room with the stone archway. The Death Eaters have cornered Harry, but then Neville comes to his rescue. He's not terribly effective, but he's determined to help. Bellatrix uses Crucio on Neville to get Harry to give them the prophecy. He decides to give it to them, but before he can, Sirius Lupin, Tonks, Moody, and Kingsley show up. There's more dueling, and Harry goes to check on Neville. The two of them continue to fight off Death Eaters, but the prophecy gets broken in the chaos. Things continue to be crazy, but then Dumble arrives, and the day is totally about to be saved, until that bitch Bellatrix hits Sirius with a curse, and he disappears through the veil. Harry tries to convince himself that his godfather will appear on the other side of the archway, but Lupin pulls Harry away from the archway, and Sirius is gone. There it is. I've always been saying, well, sort of, that at the start of book four, there is someone who dies at the end of each book and it gets more and more heavy. It's sad. It is sad. <laughs> Just an overarching observation. This is by far the most intense fight we've had up to this point in the series. Oh yeah. And honestly, I think that it really is maybe the most intense one that we get until the final battle. I think so too, because the next book is wrought with like uncertainty, but there isn't quite as much of that. Yeah, the battle at the end of the sixth book is less focused on because we're so in Harry's head then. Right. And he's not really fighting. But anyway, the Death Eaters have shown up. Here they yes. are. Bellatrix needs to chill. She is absolutely ridiculous. I think that we are all kind of colored by Helena Bonham Carter's beautiful performance. She's brilliant. But people who like Bellatrix, I'm uncomfortable about that. The main villain of this story to me is three or four. Is Voldemort is like three or four in the list of terrible. Yeah. It's pink bitch Bellatrix. Yeah. And then I think it's Fudge and Voldemort. I think you know, that, I think the two of them are interchangeable and different because we live in this world and we know that villains are not always the ones that are clearly the bad guys, but Jesus Christ is Bellatrix fucking psychotic. She kind of goes out of protocol. In many ways, this is her return from prison. I feel like she's been waiting to be like, ah, I yeah. need something crazy to happen. She's like rearing her head. And like, there are times even where I think Lucius is like, bitch, you need to calm down. Like that is reserved for Voldy. You I know, know, part of me is like, thank God for Lucius. <laughs> Yeah. Which I hate. I hate that. But he, he has to like keep her in line almost, you know? So they go back a little bit. They try to Accio the prophecy out of his hand several times. Yeah. He's like kind of speaking out of the side of his mouth to Hermione. And then finally, reducto all at once. Everyone does a reducto. After Malfoy's like taunting him about, Wouldn't, don't you want to know about this or whatever? He's so shocked that Harry doesn't know what the prophecy is. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting. It just goes to show what the different sides of this are. That Voldemort's side just assumes that Harry knows more than he knows. And Dumbledore has been keeping things in the dark. Before we go through that, we have to talk about the truth is revealed. Which is why, again, I don't believe legitimacy or any of that shit. Occlumency. Because Voldemort has been putting this shit in Harry's head since the summer. Yes. Showing him the Hall of Prophecy. Yes. When I read that too, I was like, oh wait. So we were kind of wrong about Voldemort not knowing that this was happening? Yeah. But he doesn't know what all Harry has seen. He just knows what he's probably... To me, I think, again, versus us... I think that Voldemort's trying things. Yeah, he's experimenting. This, this has never been something he's been able to do before, you know? Also, speaking of Voldemort, when Harry's like, oh, you needed me here to take this for you. 
Voldemort couldn't get it himself. They're like, oh, the Dark Lord walking in. He's the fucking Dark Lord. Doesn't he know goddamn magic? You guys made it so a bunch of teenagers could just waltz right in here. There was no security guard. But the Dark Lord can't just come get this? Yes, like same sort of thing. What the fuck? You are the Dark Lord, Yeah, bitch. Use your goddamn magic. You can't transfigure yourself. Take some fucking Polyjuice potion and be Perkins, who's apparently useless at life. Yeah. As we will learn soon, he does show up. But... Right. In this instance, why didn't why didn't he just fucking come? There's no security. Like he could just go right in and yeah. take care of it, and then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Unless they were also thinking, what if we try to like kill two birds with one stone and get Harry there, and that's, then also kill yeah, Harry? That's obviously what it was, but still. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, they reducto themselves out of there barely. Uh, like you said in your thing, aren't any of these other prophecies important too? Like if they're in the Hall of Prophecies, right? You destroyed all of this seer knowledge. And Dumbledore explains it more later in the book. Yeah, in probably the uh, it's chapter. It's a record of it, so I mean, I guess it lives on with the people who heard it, but yeah. not all those people are probably alive anymore. Well, and in that chapter, the author had the gall to call that the lost prophecy. The lost prophecy? Not we the thousands lost of lost prophecies? Literally all the prophecies. Yeah. So, so that kind of sucks. When you picture it, all these shells falling in and all the shattering and the glass breaking, and then all of the disembodied almost spirits of the seers coming out that's got to be an experience oh god yeah so of course that allows them to escape for a bit and then this truly is when it just becomes absolute chaos like you said the group gets split into two and the group with hermione neville and harry are stuck in the time room and they're like hiding under desks yep which I appreciate that because as I was rereading this, I was like, they don't literally just like walk by and don't look under the desks, right? Okay, they're not that stupid. Although, I just thought of this. Already Bellatrix is trying to do things that should be reserved for Voldemort, but I think it's Dolohov. He is sticking his wand under there and about to use Avada Kedavra. What if you almost killed Harry? Bitch, you would have been in trouble too. So they are still a little bit haphazard. Listen to how many of them are there. I was thinking about this, like Malfoy's shouting, and he says, He says all their names. Bellatrix, Rodolphus, you take the left. Crab, Rabastin, go right. That's four. Jugson, Dolohov, six. McNair, Avery, eight. Rookwood, Mulsiver, ten. There are at least 11 of them there. Yeah. To take on six teenagers, and they are not winning. Yeah. I think it definitely says something about the kids, too, because every year they've been doing this kind of stuff. And yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them are less experienced than others, but it just kind of shows that, like we have been saying, they're so good at thinking on their feet and reacting. And of course, the Death Eaters were probably like, oh, well, they're just kids. It'll be like going in and They're They're underestimating the kids. Part of me wonders, I don't think this is true, but part of me wonders if there's a piece of the ones that just don't flat out Avada Kedavra try to Avada Kedavra the kids, including Malfoy, he does not try to Avada Kedavra anyone, that there's not this part of them that's like, we really shouldn't be murdering children. We will, if necessary, but that's not the goal. I wonder if there's like a hint of that in some of them. I can't imagine that there isn't. I mean, Narcissa, who's not actually a Death Eater, she's just married to one and and hangs with them. Obviously, if she were there, she probably would not try to kill the children. So I wonder, and Malfoy does not use Avada Kedavra on anyone or try to. Well, like, Crab... Also, he has a kid. The Death Eater that hits Hermione with that curse that knocks her down, but she's not dead. And Harry is so afraid that she is because it was so effective. That Death Eater could have just as easily said about a cadaver. Right. Yeah. Instead, they did whatever that was. Exactly. There's a lot of purposely putting them out of commission without killing them, which is interesting. 
Yeah, in some research that I did for when I came up with my points, I accidentally came across uh, a page that was like, what was that like purple purse? Yeah. It even says later it felt like a blunt knife against Harry's face when he Uh did it again. It's even just an unknown curse, you know? And that's interesting as we'll see like Sectumsempra come up, which is also not like a textbook (laughs) spell or anything. It begs the question, how many things are like that that people just have this curse well and how many of them are powerful enough to do about a cadaver i know that we poke fun about it in puffs when davy is like mom about a cadaver whatever bellatrix in the movie and in the book too she says to harry you have to mean it yeah he thinks he's ready to do that and i wonder if he could you know yeah. and i wonder if some of these guys don't have what it takes to do a nevada cadaver i don't know even molly weasley does a nevada cadaver bellatrix in the seventh book she kills her with something else Wow. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? It is. It is interesting because obviously the movie automatically shoots to Avada Kedavra, which we'll talk more about when so we much get there in yeah. the movie. In this chaos, there are a few major things that kind of come up that I think it's interesting to talk about. Yes. One of them is in the time room and his head goes into Ugh. the bell jar. So weird. Yeah. Very, very strange. So obviously these are all... It's all very <laughs> experimental. Right. And you know what? Even <clears throat> in my notes for the last chapter, as they're going into these rooms, and in my thing for the last chapter, I mentioned it feels like a museum mm-hmm. or experiments, like you said. Yeah. I almost wonder if these are these things, because it's like the time turner room, where these are actual magical devices that people have created in the history of magic and everything, but they're in the Hall of Mysteries because people don't completely understand them. Yeah, I think so. And so obviously this thing that is turning him into a baby and then back and forth and all of this. I thought it was interesting where Hermione said something. I feel like it was Hermione. Maybe it wasn't. That was like, you can't done a baby. And I'm like, well, it's not a baby. Right. <laughs> like, I know. She's like, you, like Hermione, I don't understand however you think at all because you're okay with disfiguring a classmate. But... <laughs> And then, but then you're like, no, you can't hurt a baby. That guy literally just tried to murder you. Yeah. That bell jar turned his face into a baby's face. It's like, more of like a Beetlejuice baby than anything. Right. With a little tiny head. That is one of the big standouts of the things that happen here. Beetlejuice was totally a wizard. The, that's yeah. another good idea for a fishbowl. Yeah. But another thing that happens at one point, it's so, so much chaos. So I don't remember if this is after they regroup and Ginny has the broken ankle and all that, but they go into a planet room. Oh Yeah. I think that that's Luna explaining what happened when they were in the planet. Right? Yes. Because Luna and Ron and Ginny were in the planet. Yeah. Room. Which, once again, makes this feel like a museum. Mm-hmm. You know, they got an aquarium with brains in it. They got this, like, planetarium. <laughs> stuff. Building upon what I said in the last episode of, like, these all being, like, constructs, it's interesting because there's, like, a space and time with the space room and maybe focusing on what we know about the universe that we live in and Mm -hmm. the mysteries there. That kind of goes along with that. But it's interesting that they didn't talk too much about that, and I want to know more. And then the other, of course, big room that makes a a reappearance is the brain coming out and attacking Ron. That's an interesting thing, too. Whatever Ron was hit with, like, he was definitely hit with some kind of He was hit hit with, like, the the stoned charm. Yeah, basically. Because he was stoned, okay? Ron is not in the right state of mind to begin with, and so he osseos the brain to himself. I love how it's described in the book as Harry feels like it's all kind of happening in slow motion. I was just about to even say, like, because yeah. it does feel like that. Because it's sure. like one of those things where, like, I can't stop this. Yeah, you know? like, no. no. The brain gets on him and its tentacles. It's also them. interesting that Harry's like, Harry did not know what thoughts would do, but he 
was very like there was no part of him that thought oh this could be okay like he's like this cannot go yeah. well um in the last episode you said something about like the brain stealing thoughts or memory from him and i like that idea too because this is also pretty nebulous like why is that there yeah i think we could do some special episodes on things from these oh we absolutely yeah. could are you so. kidding there's so much richness in this it's not even like world it's, building no because it's, just... it's not because it's actually very poorly written but it gives <laughs> us room to kind of go Ooh, this is like, fun what is we will this? expound and we will do our own world building i think so too i love it <laughs> that was the other interesting one and then of course again it's chaos but harry gets ripped away from that he's back into the archway room now and eventually like because yeah, he tries to draw everyone away at this yeah. point everyone is unconscious except for him and neville he tries to draw everyone away yeah. probably to protect them well and neville says something like yeah i think that ron has it under control with yeah. the brain thing when harry and neville and hermione are together and harry says you should take Hermione and go get help. And he's like, no, I'm going to stay with you. Part of me is like, how would this have changed had Neville been able to get Hermione out and run to get help? Because that could have been really helpful, but also Neville literally saves Harry's life minutes later. This entire, the rest of this chapter is Harry and Neville saving each other yeah. and the adults trying to handle the Death Eaters, which is fascinating yeah, as well. truly. Neville being the one that accidentally destroys the prophecy. Interesting. Interesting, yes. I mean, it kind of goes back to his kind of clumsy nature. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey. But also that prophecy could have been about him. Okay, which is, interesting. Which is very fascinating yeah. to me. I love that it's Harry and Neville. Me too. You know, I've talked about the qualities of all six of these kids and how they've been through stuff. Obviously, we learn more about Neville's backstory in this book and what has brought him up to this point. But other than Luna, of course, he, Neville is the other one who we haven't seen in a situation like this. Yeah. But we see up front, like from at the very beginning of the series, that he has that bravery. And this isn't the movie, but I'm going to mention now because when we get to the movie, there's a lot to talk about, mm. is the fact that he petrificus totalis is someone, and it's a callback to that. And so having him being, like, the last one here and showing, like, the strength of Neville is so, so key. And so that other detail that you mentioned about him destroying the prophecy by accident. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, as you're going through this, there's almost, like, the knowledge this thing is getting broken. There's no oh, way. The whole time, even in the book, Harry's like, shockingly, it's still not. And, of course, it is. And... Eventually, luckily, we get order members. That order members here. show up. Very quickly, at least two of them are taken out because yeah. Tonks and Moody are both mentioned as yeah. not Moody's actively fighting. Yeah. Which is interesting because the kids have been so strong up to this point. Right. But I don't know if now it's like... The uh, Death Eaters are, I think, pulling out harder shit, you I, know? Yeah. And obviously they didn't want to destroy the prophecy, so Harry was kind of safer. Yeah, that's true too. So but the rest it, of the kids weren't. Malfoy's like, kill them, I don't give a shit. I mean, we had talked about how you could tell some of them were a little bit more... They're underestimating these brilliant kids. Yeah. One of my notes was, how did they know to come? And then when we were watching the movie, that's when I was like, ah, light bulb. Snape. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, I'm like, okay, okay, Snape. Because even when it happened in the book where he was like, I don't know what the fuck this weirdo is talking about. I mean, because if he had, Umbridge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. so good on Snape. I think this is one of those instances where we can truly say good on Snape. So yeah, there's just a lot of battling happening here. Harry is literally being like strangled to death. It's not Malfoy who's doing it. I forget who it is. It's, um, oh, it's, it's McNair. McNair. Fuck that yeah. guy. Neville can't say stupefy because his nose is broken, which there's a problem in the system that there needs to be a 
other spells. Like, what happens if you're if you have a cold? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but Neville's just like stabbed in the eye. <laughs> yeah. I just love that. I'm like, I love when they resort to the physical stuff because that's human nature. And so yeah, he so he saves Harry, and then Dumbledore shows up. So, and and that like, people are scattering because yep. they're all like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like, can't. like we can take on these adults a little bit more, but we can't handle Dumble. Yeah. And then this is, of course, when Bellatrix, Bellatrix sends a curse. Yeah, it's wrong place, wrong time. Honestly, if he weren't by the veil, he wouldn't I have think, gone through I the think veil. So yeah, so again, that's an interesting thing. That's the room that they're in. So anyone's proximity to that veil could have been the end. She hits him and we don't know or understand the veil. I understand Harry's like instinctual like, oh, it's okay. But also, again, he also knows. Yeah, he was more comfortable with the veil. It seemed to take forever or ages for Sirius to fall is something, I think is what it says, something like that. It seemed to take Sirius an age to fall. His body curved in a graceful arc as he sank backward toward the ragged veil hanging from the arch. So we don't know what she hit him with. Yeah. Would he have been alive if he hadn't hit the veil? I think so. Maybe she hit him with something that her intention was to send him through the veil. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? You know, Harry saw the look of mingled fear and surprise on his face. So, like, what is that? Does Sirius know what he was hit with? Does Sirius know what that is? Like, the second he touches the veil, is it like, this is my death? I think, truly, that the second he touches the veil, he understands what's going on. Because more than anything, and I did not get that until this reading... The veil is the veil into the spirit world. And so, like, if you're going to go touch that veil, that's it. You're gone. There had to be a little... Because, like, it's... It's not how it happens in the movie where the movie. Um, he dies and he happens to just go through the veil because it's right there. I think it's very clear to me that as he's going through it, he's like, oh shit, like he's passing through to the other side. But which, when you think about it, is almost even creepier than just about a cadaver. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very clear to me that that's, that's uh, yeah. what that is. And then, of course, the last couple sentences of the chapter are the realization like, watching over him and Lupin who has to witness Harry witnessing this. And also, like, that's Lupin's best friend. Yeah. Like, Lupin is witnessing serious His best friend's death and, and Harry's reaction. Harry's reaction. Like, it's one of those things that happen so often in fiction and, and real life, honestly, that a person who is gutted by an experience like this we don't get to have the focus on them because everyone else also has to have that reaction, you know? Yeah. If you were to take this and just look at this whole thing from Lupin's point of view, what would that be like? Yeah. Lupin is our age. All of his friends are dead. No wonder he and Tong took up in the sixth book. How the two of them get together and all of that. Look what they've been through. Mm-hmm. And they have each other. They have each other. Who else are they going to have right now? Mm-hmm. You know? It's very sad. You know, even thinking about that, like at the end, like the fact that the only one in this group that comes out alive is Kingsley and he becomes Minister of Magic, that is almost a poetic thing. Yeah. It's interesting because I almost imagine Harry's like affinity or like attraction to the veil from the last chapter in the fact that this happens, I think he almost realizes what this is too. Oh yeah, he does. And he that adds more does. dimension to it. So Adding that on, I'm just like, oh, I'm already sad because they this wouldn't have happened if yeah. Harry hadn't gone. Yeah. But also, 
what would have happened if Harry hadn't gone? How would that have gone down? I mean, he probably still would have continued to get... There would have been some other trap. Yeah. Eventually, Voldemort is trying to get him into that Hall of Mysteries no matter what. And Sirius was never going to go down easy. Like, Sirius was doomed. Mm -hmm. Hey, at the very least, the pink chode lady got carried away by Sagittarius through this whole thing. So, that's good. The last couple chapters, we have made a lot of guesses and theories and philosophies on things in these ministry-focused chapters. So today, our game is not going to be making theories. Instead, it is going to be giving the wrong answers only! Shit! I have four different things that we encounter here. I want you to give me the wrong answer based on what you think. So first, what is that arch? Oh, it's definitely a secret passageway to the conservatory. Oh, that is a good, correct answer. That is definitely the correct answer. (laughs) What I was going to say is it's actually in downtown Cuyahoga Falls, like there by the river. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) If you know, you know. That that is a very specific (laughs) joke. But actually, Brian and I walked through the veil and we survived. It's very special. Yes, Brian, we did it. We have conquered death. (laughs) Second, what is the brain aquarium? That is where Dory left her brain. <laughs> that's why she can't remember shit. That's nice. That's her memory. It's that, all, that's her memory just floating around. That's very correct. I, my answer actually is, it is the sequel to the Switch game Big Brain Academy. Big Brain Aquarium is oh. next. I actually downloaded a demo of that game Big and I was like, this aquarium. is stupid. So maybe Big Brain Aquarium will be better. Third, what is the planet room? Hmm, the planet room. Planet room is where all of the rejected planets get thrown away, like Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Um, all of the planets that were destroyed in Star Wars and the original Earth that was destroyed in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is also there. Oh, okay. So the second Earth that we're on right now, that's going to be in that room very soon. Because <laughs> yeah. guess where we're going. We're barreling towards the ministry. So yeah, so all of the rejected planets from Slardy Bartfast and all of the other people from Hitchhiker's Guide have created that just didn't happen. They're in that room. Pluto is in that room. If you've watched Miracle Workers, all of the rejected planets by God are in that room. Very good. Yeah. I like it. My answer is that those actually aren't planets, they're actually cake. Ooh, yum. You know that phenomenon that's going on Oh, that's like cake that looks Like, like not cake? Yeah. Those are actually cake. Oh, yum. Yum! Again, I'm hungry. I can't <laughs> wait to figure out what I'm having for dinner. Because now I want cake. Oh, and I have time to eat. Well, yeah. I'm going to be starving after the show. Yeah. Wait. I can't eat before I put on a corset, though. Fuck that noise. Oh, no. No. And then my last one is, what is the clock room? The clock room is literally all of the time I have wasted worrying over things that I shouldn't be worrying about. All of them are just hanging out there. You are so good at this game. (laughs) All of the answers have been really, really fucking good. I don't want to go in the clock room because that's very shameful. (laughs) I would go over there like, yeah, I know I wasted a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And that. So it's maybe the worst room for me. Oh my God. confronted with 11 years of my life and my ex-husband. You know, like, The clock room to me is the equivalent to the lighting section at Lowe's. Like, you know how it has special energy? Oh, it does. It does. This is the same thing, but with clocks. I like that. When I get my apartment, I want at least one cool light fixture and one cool clock. All right. Guess we're going to Lowe's. Yeah, we're going to go to Lowe's. Yay. (laughs) I love it. Sponsor us. Sponsor. Oh my God. Fucking sponsor us. I will spend so much money. (laughs) So the movie is definitely pared down. We don't get any of the battle. 
We literally just get the kids running away. All of a sudden, Harry falls through a door. All of them. All they of them all fall home. through the door. And it's and it's it, not like a stadium kind of thing. Like, it's portrayed in the book. Yeah. It feels... Free fall. It's free fall. And then the room they fall into is where the stone dais is. And it literally looks like they're on a mountain or something. A little bit. Like, it's yeah, a little rocky it, in there. Yeah. And in some of the shots, that's all you see is them just standing there and then, like, the rocks. And Harry, God bless him, he's like, everyone get behind me. And the Death Eaters just come in. They're like, yeah, pff, nah, that didn't work. Yeah. They swipe now, up. Like they now they're here brutal. to play. The Death Eaters are so much more skilled in the movie than they are in the yes, books. Yes, yes, for sure. Harry is in the middle with the prophecy and Lucius is there and he's like, give me the fucking thing or you're going to see all your friends die. So Harry gives it to him. It, he gives it to him and then that is when all the Order folks come in. Sirius and, is like, don't touch my godson, you asshole. Yes, and then Lucius trips and he's like, whoopsie, and it breaks. Uh, see, it should have stayed with Harry anyways, bitch. Right? Uh, the child had it all that time and didn't break it, and you fucker. Voldemort's gonna be real mad when he hears that you broke it, Lucy. Oh my god. It's like the equivalent of Lucy in the football. <laughs> the battle is happening and everything. It's definitely more pared down. But the big difference... Uh, even though we don't get most of the battle, the thing with yeah. the brain, the planet room, all of that, the baby head, it makes sense that they cut all of that out because that sounds very expensive to produce. Right. But, but like you said, when we were watching it, Bellatrix says about a cadaver and that's what kills it. Yeah. So I want to back up just a tiny bit before that. Yeah. First of all, I agree with you about why they cut that out, but same bitch that I had about the fourth movie is that the author actually gave us something interesting that you could have created and done really cool shit with, and you didn't. So that's a fail. Even though I think this is a great movie, movie overall. Mm -hmm. Terrible adaptation, great movie. But before she hits him with Avada Kedavra, he does the thing that we hate. He calls Harry James. The last thing he says uh, to yes. his godson is calling him by his father's name, which is not right, not fair. The whole thing throughout the whole book where Molly is like, you need to remember that Harry is not James, and Sirius is like, I know that, and Sirius does know that. Like, that doesn't mean that he doesn't yearn for his best friend, and, and that camaraderie, and that... But the last thing he said to his godson in the book was not calling him by his best friend's name. It takes away so much that that's what happens in the movie. That was a single mistake. I hate that. Oh, right? Molly was like, you called it in James, time to die, and then right? the is oh, like, I got you, Molly, even though you're going to kill me in the future. About a makes me so sad. It kind of also takes away from the whole veil thing. What was the purpose of the veil? Right. Like this Why could have happened in the Paul of Prophecies. Yeah. This could have happened anywhere. And then of course the scene that we, Dumbledore we stopped Dumbledore hasn't come in yet. Dumbledore comes yes. in before Sirius's death in the book and he has not come in yeah. yet. Yeah. But the movie. anguish then that Harry has it matches the anguish of Amos Diggory. Oh my quite well. God, <laughs> it's the acting and it's like literally six seconds yeah. of a Daniel Radcliffe is beautifully tragic in the scene and you know, David Thewlis playing Lupin. It's don't need any more dialogue. Just having that visual. Now watching it in segments, I didn't cry this time, but every time I've watched the movie, seeing Sirius die, which I think is actually looks really weird and I don't love it. I obviously don't love Sirius dying, but like I don't love what that looks like. That is the heartbreaking moment in the movie. Harry trying to get to Sirius, Remus pulling Harry back and like what that is for both of them. Both of those actors brought it to the surface so well and I really appreciate that. It is probably one of the most heartbreaking visuals in the whole movie uh, series. Yeah, I think for sure. Across all eight movies. I think for sure. Yeah. 
not just serious as death. Obviously, that's what's caused it, but the what the it two means actors. for Harry. Oh, oh yes. Oh my god. I was gonna say what it means for Harry too. <laughs> it's, that his, it's this is his family. Right. Well, let's get into these points. points. There's a lot of points to Ooh. be awarded and removed. Plus 30, primarily to Harry and Neville, because they're the two who do the th- stuff. You know, like everybody yeah. else is handicapped in some way. Yeah. But also plus 30 to Sirius because he died. Plus 10 to the other four. So Hermione, yeah. Neville, Ginny, and Luna. Plus 20 to Lupin, Tonks, Moody, Kingsley, and Dumbledore because they come in to save them and relieve them. <laughs> Dumbledore literally just exists but we're like, but you're there. You're there. 20 points. You came <laughs> and you scared, you made all those Dudley to shit they pants. Uh, right? Negative 100 to Bellatrix. I actually took 100 away from Dalhoff too. Because he's like the main one that they're he fighting, is and he brutal. is brutal. I think yes. he's the one that kills Lupin in the seventh book. Actually, I think I that, think that so. might be the Fuck case. That guy. I'm also taking 75 away from Malfoy, McNair, and Rookwood. Because I think those are the next level of baddies yeah. that are, like, really fucking bad. McNair's the one who was... Literally choking her to yeah. death. Rookwood had a moment, too. And, of course, Malfoy. And then negative 50 to the rest of them. So that's negative 50 to Rodolphus, Crab, Bastion, <laughs> Jugson, Avery, and Mulciber. Mulciber, yeah. Whatever that is. Okay, yeah. And that's this that's chapter. a lot of Death Eaters with negative points because they suck. Yeah, for sure. So next time... Chapter 36. Chapter 36. We got three more chapters. This one is the only one he ever feared. The only one he ever feared. Guess who that's about? Dobby. Dobby comes and murders Voldemort. God, I want that. Someone who frequents fan fiction, please tell me where I can find that story. <laughs> yeah, for Dobby real. just kicking ass. Yes. So we are, of course, approaching the end of this season for a finally. Yeah. So we've got that. We've got a special episode. Then we have two more chapters. Our wrap up, another movie episode, and then cutting room floor, and then we're done. So many things happening, but it's going to be fun and yay. Yes. Tune in for that and see what happens and find out how Dobby kills Voldemort. Can't wait. Toodaloo. Bye. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Gorkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!